0: This is the worst show we've ever done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we drove in the car. Do you want to restart? Should we start? Restart? Yeah, we're going to start right over. That can't over. be it. That can't, that be, can't it. be it. Okay, so this is the special episode of Kibbe on Liberty, where we all gather at Free the People at the end of the year to have Christmas dinner to talk about what we did in 2020 and, and what we're going to do in 2021. And since everybody's here, we're gonna put everybody in front of this microphone and you're gonna tell us all sorts of cool things. Uh, before we went live, Matt was talking about his his odd hygiene habits, and we're just not <laughs> gonna get into that because <laughs> this, this, this is a family show. I've right?
1: never <laughs> been caught on a single Skype or Zoom in pajamas or anything. Always dressed, showered, and ready to go. My hair uh, is questionable.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. There have been times when I've wondered if you've actually combed your hair I've, since the lockdown started. I'll be I honest. never comb my hair, so the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Listen, um, we've all been seen. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, the best not, circumstances right. on Zoom. There well, is let's, no Zoom let's, shaming let's no judge.
2: to yeah. happen here.
0: <laughs> it's literally the first time I've had pants on in six months. <clears throat> Everyone shot, here can attest to that. The shot demanded it, so yeah. so we're here. But uh, um, Kara, let's start with you, because okay. yeah, if you screw it up, it makes it easier for the rest of us. So, what what do you do it for the people anyway, Kara?
3: Well. <laughs> At For The People, uh, I'm Cara Pally. I'm our Chief Technology Officer, as you all well know. Uh, so I do all our technology, all our marketing, so all our distribution of our videos, um, all of our tracking of our analytics, all of our uh, building of websites, all of our things tech. Uh, that is what I do, uh, running along with, along with Joel uh, Davis, our social media. And uh, so lots of, uh, wear lots of hats here.
0: And we've been working together 10-ish years or something.
3: Yes, uh, we have. We it actually. So this is our ten-year anniversary. guys. Wow. Yes, cheers uh, to that.
0: Cheers to Sorry, that. Because
3: it was 2010 when we all got together.
0: This is a drinking show, by the way.
2: Cheers. It's after 12, so it's legal. But but
0: for those of you guys watching this that watch the podcast but don't necessarily check out the other stuff that Free the People does, we're a team of ten people. Ten. Ten people, give or take, and. It's half artists, videographers, and it's half technologists. So our job is to make cool content and try to get people to watch it. And, and Kara, you're sort of on the, you, although you, you get involved in everything, but you're a, you're, your job is to get make sure that people watch our stuff.
3: Yep, I uh, I take the content and I put it online. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) No, we do a lot more. You can't give away trade secrets. We do a lot more than that, though. Uh, No, it's it's. I mean, we're on all kinds of channels. We're trying to bring content wherever people are at. So you know, it's not. It should be very easy to find us. We're at for the people on literally every channel. Uh, So we we try to bring it there, and we try to bring it to people who want to see it, and we target people in certain age groups and who like certain interests, and we try to you know bring the stuff that we're making to the folks who want to see it. and the audience just keeps growing. So it's been great because uh turns out people like it.
0: And we, we really want to reach young people because uh, you know too many libertarians and conservatives say they, they sort of preach to the choir and, and the average age of that choir is ninety-ish.
3: It's not getting younger, that choir. So <laughs> and I mean us here, I mean we're we're young people. We want, you know, folks that we're friends with to watch our content and so I'm like the
0: token old guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we, try, uh, no, um, we do. So we, that is, that is our target audience. We are reaching people in, in all age groups, honestly. Um, but that's the folks that we on staff are trying to reach and, the, and that's who it's been, it's been the, the easiest group for us to, to reach out to. I mean, as our audience grows, it, it's gotten younger and younger over the past. How I mean, how long have we been here? Five years for the people has been.
0: So what's the, um, what's the big thing we've done differently this year? Cause cause we've been migrating away from social media to other platforms. What's the super secret way that people can get pee- to watch more of our
3: sure. stuff. Um, we've gotten on some other stuff. So we've gotten more and more of our stuff on Amazon. So that's a big one for us. We've had a lot of, um, with very limited marketing, we've had a ton of organic views on Amazon. So our whole Deadlyism series is on there. Most of it, it's our sort of best of the best content. So our uh, documentary, How to Love Your Enemies on there, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, there, there's a lot of our stuff on there. So we basically take the stuff that performs best, the stuff that we're most proud of, and we put that on Amazon Prime. So if you uh, search for Free the People, you can find our channel on there and see everything that's on there. Um, I mean, other channels as well. I mean, we've you know the, our website. Well, yes, obviously, freethepeople.org. But I'm talking about new stuff that we've you know. Um, yeah, freethepeople.org. Well, it's grown a out. lot. It's grown a lot. <laughs> We have, yeah. Um, I mean, especially during, I mean, COVID has been a crazy year for everybody, as you all know. Uh, But for us, it's actually been pretty good in terms of traffic. Uh, Right out of the gate, when everything started back in March, we were one of the first people that were sort of posting some content, questioning all the stuff that was going on, pushing back a little bit. And we saw huge traffic spikes. Um, He's mentioning our website because it's true, we've had the most website traffic this year than we've ever had. Uh, So that's been exciting. And same deal, I mean, it's across the board. We've seen growth across the board. We've seen the most YouTube views we've ever had, the most website traffic. It's been a, a Good year for us in that way um,
0: so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting um, I'm, I'm so proud that free the people was easily one of the very first people out of the gate questioning the wisdom of, of lockdowns and the economic consequences of of government planners deciding for us how we might um, mitigate the risk of covid but I'm waiting for the uprising like we're the people man first it's
1: I don't think it's coming.
3: Well, I feel I'm starting to feel it. It, I I live in New York City and I'm starting to feel it with the restaurants there. I can tell you that much. People are the first time around, people seemed like they just went right along with the shutdown. This time, everything just got shut down again. I'm seeing lots more anger coming out. People are, you know, breaking the rules finally. So I'm glad to see it. I hope there's more of it. People should stand up for their businesses and their freedom and their ability to go eat dinner. So
2: there have been protests in in Europe and other countries. There have been like major demonstrations, I think, in like Serbia and and other places so yeah. we're just a little slower at the gate for this one which is I surprising assume, yeah
0: I assume we're a little bit richer so we right. we can we can weather this longer
1: yeah we're more sheltered from the bad things yeah. unless
2: you own a restaurant or right. a bar right. or a small right. business
1: yep and then they decide you don't matter and right.
0: non-essential so yeah. so Pataglia mm-hmm. um, you are I don't even know what your title is executive for the people producer. executive producer <laughs> yeah all right and so you what have you executive produced this year that you're super excited uh, about
1: we've done a lot of exciting stuff this year um i think you know sam and logan are going to talk about some of the things we released how do i love your enemy a restorative justice story which was a big documentary that we did i think we, we we did it we finished it last year but we released it this year so that was exciting we also released the um constitution line by line series with mike lee Uh, which we did in partnership with um, the Federalist Society, which was delayed because of the COVID because uh, we wanted to release it. And then it was like, this is definitely going to get buried by the cocoa. And so we pushed that out to
3: September.
0: How many nicknames do you have for the virus?
3: started as the Rona. Yeah, it's a
1: lot of them. Um, I just, I don't like, um, I've just been trying to make it uh, not, it bums me out if I think too deeply about it. So I try not to go there uh, so, <laughs> so this year i've like they uh, uh some Sunday things i made done. that i was really proud. It's awkward of. sadness right there yeah mm-hmm. yeah has been like depressing. um some some done some comic strips up um specifically around like some of the like um justice stuff like the all the like the police stuff and all that which kind of get lo- gets lost well, rona
0: taylor. taylor
1: yeah and all the rona stuff so that was pretty those were those i was pretty proud of um and then we've been doing a lot of KOLs this year, and we've had to figure out how to do that with all the Skype and figuring out guests and all that. Um, and so we've, we've I think that, that us as a team and as a group have really – oh, we've released new episodes of Dead, Deadly Isms. We released a edu- video on education, which was exciting. It's been and a busy year. It's been – there's a lot of things, and and, um, and so it's – it's uh, but it's all been a blur. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah, we, it feels like it happened to a different person.
0: Well, it feels like it happened to a different country and, and I was talking to Eric July about this when I was in Dallas and he was on the show, but um, the one thing that we did well, and he had to do the same thing because he's the frontman for a band and bands and music are now deemed illegal, right. at least live bands, and one thing we did in March is we just stopped a lot of what we were doing like the mike lee thing and like the the restorative justice thing and and just flip gears and and focus on this
3: oh we had i mean on our like project management board of all our videos there was four or five things we had trips planned we were you know i mean i can think of a couple of them now that it was like all right well i guess we'll just put that on hold and switch gears which we did
1: yeah like one of the big things we wanted to do was expand what we did with with restorative justice and i mean sam will come in and talk about help we'll talk about this in a little bit but like anything that required travel became a a totally was thrown out of whack i mean we did go on one trip to go film with um a KOL with ron Ron paul which was exciting and i mean fortunately that worked out and i mean good thing he lives in texas i suppose but um you know it was um all that travel was gone basically and and i mean i know that like you guys went down to li- the libertarian convention happened this year, but it happened very differently. And I know that was a whole other, a completely other other experience, basically. So, so it was, it was a, a, I mean, the
0: libertarian convention was a super spreader event, <laughs> and several which nobody got sick at. By several the way. several people got the COVID, but it was the people streaming in from home yeah. that, right. that That's got right. sick. That's what I'm so about. so go f- go figure that out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, some of the other things, I mean, you know, we talk about like the uh, some of the effects that things have had. I mean, one of the things that I've ended up doing a little bit, just, you know, one of my friends runs a restaurant, you know, ran a restaurant before the, the COVID hit. And then when everything happened, he's here's a guy who, you know, he didn't have much to begin with, but like his business had started coming together and then that all got stripped from him, and I ended up having helping him like figure out like, hey, dude, you gotta do online ordering, and like, you gotta f- we let's figure this out so you don't like, you know, your family doesn't go without you bringing in any cash. Yeah, but
3: for a lot of people, though, like overcoming that technology hurdle, huge. even is hard for people to know how to switch gears like so, that to adapt.
1: Right, and so it's 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 really been, uh, you know, you like this year has been a lot of like looking at like, okay, I'm thankful for a lot of things that I that, you know. That I have, that we have, like that, you know, are fortunately with our space, we were able to pivot and sort of figure out ways to do what we do and do it differently. Um, and you know, you, you there's a lot of people who have really, you know, struggled with that, and it's 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 uh, it's terrible what 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 um, local governments specifically have done to, to, to folks. It's it's uh, it's pretty pretty scary.
0: While we're doing that, maybe I could ask Terry a question about one of the cooler events we did this year which is uh, very much about restorative justice and that was our pop-up movie theater in minturn colorado
2: it's a drive-in theater
1: <laughs> inflatable drive-in
2: theater.
0: Right. Isn't it is a drive-in theater theater a movie theater it is a movie yeah, theater. Okay. yeah it's a type of movie. Can, all right can i get a can i get a rough call on this uh,
2: <laughs> all right so it was at a, a movie theater that you used your cars to watch the show at so one of the things that you we did, did... You just corrected me on camera. I know. It's not the first time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank God we got that one in the can. Can,
2: can I go on? <laughs> yes, ma'am. So one of the things that we did early in lockdown was we started doing um, online happy hours, like everybody else did. We did ours every other week, and we talked about the things that we've been doing and had a lot of great um, interaction with our supporters and our donors and our activists across the country. And as a result of one of them, we were talking about the restorative justice movie and how we wanted to get it out to people, but were kind of stymied because everything was shut down. And so a good friend of ours in Colorado came up with this brilliant idea to show it at a, at a drive-in theater. And it was truly a pop-up drive-in theater. When we got there that afternoon, it was a gravel lot and there was a deflated thing on the side of the, drive- the, the parking lot that was the, the um, movie screen. So they set it up and driving drive, he, in, right. drive in, it, was in it was in front of a cemetery yeah, in too. front <laughs> of a cemetery right um, but with the mountains in the background so it was oh, actually it was a really beautiful place and he did such a great job it wasn't just showing the film it was actually interactive and we had people that were in the film um, giving presentations and he really wants to get this implemented in Eagle County so he brought in local law enforcement, there was a couple sheriffs, there was a DA. And I got to tell you, I'm usually not excited when I see a bunch of cop cars pulling into my event. But this time, it was, it was great. And they were there to learn. And we had really great discussions. And they're moving forward. And that's one of the purposes of this film that we made. It's not just to teach people about this project, but also to figure out how to implement it in their local communities. So
4: yeah, I think that was like, such a cool event that wouldn't have happened if COVID hadn't happened right. mm-hmm. you know we never would have had a drive-in movie screening yes. that wouldn't even have come to mind mm-hmm. but somehow that that made it more of a event that people wanted to go to and a bit more of a movement and we can see that happening different places because it's this really unique thing yeah that also was like you weren't just going into a building it was a very much a part of that town in that place yeah. That was a really cool well, thing.
1: Well, the th- the other thing too is like the drive-in was an element of like because of the cocoa, but the thing that the other element that I think that we're we kind of I don't know if we forgot about it, but like the other element is is that the reason for wanting to do that screening too was in direct response to all of the, um, I don't know how to like all the like unrest, I I don't know all the protests, all the like the the justice stuff and the. You, you know like like there was a huge i don't know if the, everyone remembers
0: the, the but, abuses of police power right that, but, so right yeah. were
2: highlighted by george floyd and, right. and all of these others. and so this
1: was we we realized rather quickly is that like while everyone was pouncing on all these the sort of like let's tell like all these horrors and terrible things you know which fine yes there's a lot of abuses happening yeah but we actually had a hey here's a system that is a positive thing this is something that you could in theory implement and it here's how you do it and we've got people that can speak to you on this and and that's was really um, important about that is that i think that in that moment and 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 still people are searching for what's a positive solution what's an actual answer and we had something that that did that
4: yeah i think that was such a great opportunity the timing was just so perfect when that was, we all real. I mean, we we weren't planning on debuting the film at that time, mm-hmm. and then we realized it was the moment to to release it. Yeah. Um. Because there was, like you said, there, there there weren't any solutions. No. Really, like no, there was no solutions about. No one was presenting any solutions at all. Yeah. And we had this grassroots, really a very libertarian solution to this problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't call it libertarian because that would probably turn people off, but it really is. It's like this, it's this, it's a solution that the state doesn't have to be involved in at all. It's Mm -hmm. just community members. It's just people who care about their local communities coming together to solve this deeply troubling issue of incarceration Mm -hmm. and, you know, people going away for, Lengthy periods of time for nonviolent drug offenses, and uh, you know, this is—it's a solution that doesn't cost that much either. Right. It well, also—it so. also
0: doesn't require politics. So, like, yes. so much of our our fight over criminal justice reform is waiting for the president to do something or waiting for Congress to act. Right. Mm-hmm. And this—the thing that I sort of realized when we we're in that that drive-in movie theater is that the community are. The ones that are in power, they can they can do this, right. and the only excuse is that they didn't they didn't try, right? yeah. Vers- mm-hmm. Versus like you can always blame Washington D.C. Oh, they didn't fix this, they didn't fix that. So that that to me is is sort of radical in the sense that every community in America it could be Detroit, it could be Longmont, Colorado. You you can go fix this for your own self. Well, it's, yeah. it
1: seems so funny that like with 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 like the COVID and the lockdowns and all that stuff, like everyone was looking, you know they said you know all the governors and mayors and whatever they all said oh we you know we won't wait for trump to act we'll just do you know we'll lock everything down ourselves but when it comes to criminal justice reform it's like hey trump needs to do this and it's like well you could do something it's your police force that's got the issue saying are politi- politicians insane. are hypocritical yes and and so it, it is um but uh it, it's been um we did also did a number of live streams with 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 the uh with how to love your enemy as well which were were exciting i mean we did them for for ourselves but other groups came to us asking for us to host live streams for them to show to their to their uh activists and people i mean the um, lcjp we hosted a number of live streams for them to show to to their you know their uh um their volunteers and, and 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 the people that they're you know in 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 their town which is where we filmed it and made it in longmont colorado and uh and so that was really exciting
0: sam how many awards have you won so far like are you tired of winning yet
4: um i'm not tired at all (laughs) Uh, we we have won five awards is it five now at this
0: point i think so the most recent was freedom fest no the Uh, most recent was the uh, uh, atlas network Network. see it's yeah um, there's so much winning. Mm-hmm. Um.
4: I mean, yeah, and that's another thing that happened during COVID. We had we had submitted to all these different film festivals, probably tw- 12 or 13 film festivals, really expecting it to be just your typical film festival experience where we go and we're able to, to hopefully get into some schmooze and uh, see some films and... None of that really ended up happening. Um, you, you got to go to one, didn't Sam you? Went to went to one. One, you? went to one. In one, Longmont. Yeah, in Longmont. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we won a couple awards at that one. Um, but I just think it's really cool how even like the whole, you know, film industry is adapted. And things went online or, you know, we were able to, like you say, we we're able to do these screenings online. Mm-hmm. And we actually got, um, how what was I our biggest I, audience? I, I, 2,000 people watching. I mean, we yeah. got um, probably more people watching than if we would have done live right. showings. Um, mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, and, I think at a, it, and, and at basically no cost. We're hey, yeah. I mean, right. trying to fill a theater. <laughs> it's is expensive, and it's yeah. hard. And you um, have to know. run a theater. Right. I
1: mean, there might be a lot of those up for sale, but... Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so,
0: sad. so, so sad. Sam, you actually um, did something in response to COVID as well. You, you live on the West Coast, mm-hmm. um, and so... A lot of what we used to do in terms of, of filming together couldn't happen. So you took it upon yourself, started working with Logan, and came up with and a I'm couple gonna series. And we're going to bring Logan in to talk yeah. about that as well. But talk a little bit about—we'll <laughs> fix that in Love post. The yeah. Chaos. Um, okay. Logan has a very dramatic entrance coming on. <laughs> but but talk about the. So, so when, when COVID hit, yeah. um, I really focused on the economic costs, the opportunity costs, the things that we wouldn't get to do like cancer screening and, and feeding people and stuff like that, that only happens when people are free. Right. Um, uh, you really glommed on to the civil liberties threats, mm-hmm. like what happens when we see th- this much power to government? Yeah. What did that become?
4: Well, um, I think, again, I think uh, COVID, you know, I, I always try to look at the, I guess, the silver linings of, of anything, um, and I think COVID has done a lot of harm, obviously, and lockdowns and all this stuff, but um, uh, it's done a lot of good in certain ways, and I think what you're referring to is uh, kind of just made me realize, you know, we talk about all these libertarian principles, and we talk about... Uh, government getting too big and needing to harness government power in in different areas. And sometimes it can be kind of theoretical because it feels like it's not necessarily happening. I mean, we kind of see it happening in uh, in D.C. Um, But when COVID happened, it was all of a sudden like you felt that in your hometown. And I think it just lit a fire under me. And I realized, you know, we're going to lose a lot of our rights and we're not going to get them back. And, um, I think we all realized that very early on and you could tell that nobody was going to start, it was, no, nobody's going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I also think people don't know their history. So we created a series called freedom over fear where we, uh, look at all these different periods of crises in American history and show how people have lost their rights and we didn't get them back. Um, because we want to, sh- the government loves a crisis, um, cause they can, they can, take away everything that we hold here and we almost forget you know we have a short memory as a population we forget uh that we had those rights or how much we need them and we're really willing to give them away for a sense of security so we wanted to create this series um we talk about a several different things you can talk about some of the topics if you want
5: yeah um i love the title freedom over fear because yeah. i feel like this year has taught us so much that like when you let fear govern your life and dictate your decisions it just is it ends very, very badly, and you give up everything that makes life worth living because life is a dangerous business. Nobody gets out of it alive, and uh, you know you have to take risks in order to have a, a meaningful life, and so. I'm very dismayed by how much people have allowed their, their fears to control them and, and take a whole year out of their lives that they could have been using for traveling or exploring the world or doing all these important things that are important parts of life. And so, um, yeah, we wanted to take a look back at some historical abuses that have happened uh, in times of crisis in the past and how whenever these, these emergencies happen, like Mike Lee called it emergency socialism, whenever emergencies happen, the government makes a power grab essentially because they can, because everybody's afraid and they're like, help us, protect us. And, you know, there's a lot of examples of it. The, the New Deal uh, in the Great Depression is a great example of it. There's all kinds of abuses of power there, basically fascist economic policies where FDR uh, did price controls, prevented businesses from operating the way they wanted to operate, seized the means of production a little bit, uh, banned the private ownership of gold. You had um, before that or, or during that you had prohibition. Um, where people were prevented from drinking alcohol because of the fears of of the dangers of alcohol. Um,
0: camps internment Americans. camps for Japanese Americans. Internment
5: camps for Japanese Americans, which is one of the worst abuses ever. Like yeah. No one really talks about it that much anymore, but the idea that you're putting American citizens in, in concentration camps, essentially, yeah. uh, is horrifying. And people remember FDR as a good president. He did that, you know. And, and, and you know, like uh, these um,
0: a softer version of that, um, and I... I, I want to be clear. I'm not comparing the two, but but curfews, arbitrary curfews. Yes. You can't be out after 10 p.m. Uh, stay at home orders, um, where you know, depending on where you are, you can you can literally get fined or, or worse right. yeah. for doing these things. And governors and mayors are just just whipping this stuff out. And I'm like, why don't people see that? Um, there are implications to giving these guys such power. Well, the one that really
5: scared me is early this year when we had Easter. And as far as I could tell in my research, it was unprecedented in American history that the government said that Americans can't go out and worship on Easter at their churches or synagogues or wherever they want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd never seen that happen before in American history. And it's, it's blatantly against the First Amendment. We have freedom of religion in this country. And uh, I was just appalled at, at the fact, of, first of all, that people were willing to try to enforce that. And then the second of all, that so many people didn't get upset about it and just said, okay, I'll stay home and won't celebrate my religion on its most important holiday yeah. of it.
4: No, I think that that's like a huge part of it, right. Is how just how easily people capitulated to all of this and not only capitulated, but I, I live in Marin County, which is just a very liberal, almost communist bastion in Northern California. And, uh, there's more conformity there than I, than just about anywhere else. And that was just shocking to me. So it was like people loved being told what to do and they loved telling other people what to do. Um, And very early on, there was a snitch line in our County and people were reporting each other and businesses for disobeying um, very arbitrary laws um, or stay at home orders or all these different things. And they're just being inundated with calls and emails and my wife and I took it upon ourselves to email and kind of give the opposite message of like, <laughs> we hate this and, and this is completely unconstitutional and I can't believe you're having, you're getting neighbors to snitch on each other. It just seems so un-American and wrong. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you see stuff like that and it's like, you kind of see how some of these, um, you know. Nazi Germany happened, you know, you see how it doesn't take very much to for people to follow every, you know, whim of the government.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading an article about um, how your holidays are going to look differently this year because of COVID and all of the different things that people are doing or more importantly, not doing. Mm-hmm. And the most frightening comment was I'll call her Karen, for lack of a better word, was she said that um Yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'd really like to have my family over for Christmas dinner, but I have to wait to see if the government will let me. So she is allowing the government to decide who can come into her own private residence and have... Dinner and it's just Disgusting. how easily people slip into it. Yeah. And it's just I can't do that I have to wait and see if the government will you know It's will such a scary
5: it. thing because you know like if you just have tyrants just trying to oppress the people We kind of know what to do with that you can resist and fight back But when the people themselves are asking for tyranny, mm-hmm. that's really scary And I don't yeah. really know what you do about that.
0: You know, what's funny about you two guys sitting here at this moment is um, in March um, You wrote a piece Published publish on Free the People that I wouldn't let you publish, which yes. was sort of this anti-authoritarian, libertarian screed against uh, the impending authoritarian state and I bet you if we publish today, we should, by the way, because I bet you that everything you predicted- We did, we published it. Did we? Okay. Yes,
5: you let me publish it after eight months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was called a, a, a manifesto of disobedience and it was about why wow, people should resist these changes and calling back to historical examples, right? Like prohibition where people said, you can make whatever law you want, I'm gonna keep my bar open. Yeah. I'll just yeah. do it secretly. And now contrasting that with today where everyone's just giving in and accepting it and saying, you guys have to resist this or it's gonna turn bad. And I think all my predictions have come true in that piece and I'm happy that it's finally able to see the light of day.
0: So I was I was a, a, an accommodationist um, letting the, the state steal my rights. And the other one, which is kind of funny, is part of the Freedom Over Fear series, Yeah, um, you guys wrote up one on vaccinations right. and we're all picking on you. Like, <laughs> we're not anti-vax here, let's not go there. And lo and behold, um, governors are, um, readily, openly talking about the government forcing you to stick this vaccine in your arm. Yeah, we
5: should be clear that the video is not about being anti-vaccine. It's about medical freedom and your choice to choose what you put in your own body. It's anti-mandatory uh, it's vaccine. anti-mandatory vaccine. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, if there's a vaccine and people wanna take it, fine, I'm happy for them to do so, but the idea that government's gonna dictate to you and your children, you have to stick this needle in you or else you're gonna go to jail, that's terrifying, and that's what they're talking about doing. It's a real threat.
0: It's fascinating the the government the federal government but the federal governments across the globe have basically nationalized the production and distribution of this medicine. And I'm like, where did that come from? Is this the new normal? Like are we is this now like a global socialized medicine system? It's right. it's super creepy. Mm.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah, one of the things that was interesting about how quickly the vaccine got through all of the the research and the testing was that they openly stated, well, we didn't have to do any economic analysis of it, um, which apparently, as it should be, is part of any production process. But Mm. in this case, because the government stepped in and across the world, every government has bought up every possible dose of of the vaccine. They're just like, yeah, we can make this. It's great. Because people would have bought it anyway. I don't see why the government... Yeah, I don't think this is
5: the kind of thing you need to gin up demand for. Right. I'm fairly certain that...
2: People would have bought it regardless of whether the government... So we love medical innovation. We do love medical innovation. We
0: love vaccinations that save lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we hate the government telling us what to do. Exactly. 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 Because it may be that politics and medicine don't mix.
5: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And then, Sam, you should also talk about your other series that you started this year, The Cult of Wokeness.
4: Uh, Yes, I will. Um, (laughs) It's called The Cult of Wokeness. And... uh, yeah, this is another issue for me that uh, I don't know. I just started getting really upset, kind of upset by um, it was. It was during you know COVID, and then the riots happened, and uh, we've all heard about cancel culture and all kind of all these different terms and and leftists taking over the universities, and it's all just kind of these nebulous ideas. And I feel like conservatives um, generally call it you know, wokeness or like there's a slang term woke. Um, but I started to notice during the Black Lives Matter rallies uh, that people on on social media, there's all these terms that were popping up. And it was almost like everybody was speaking the same language from the same script. And it just started to be this weird alternate reality. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? It's like white fragility, you know, all these different terms that everyone seemed to be on the same page on except for me <laughs> it's like where where did everyone learn this and like you don't even how know to be exactly an anti-racist it means, right? yeah. yeah it all sounds really good it's like you know check your white privileges it, all of it is uh, seems yeah it's just this strange new world that we're living in and I started to kind of delve into it a little bit and discovered that there's this whole area of philosophical thought that it all comes from and it's taken over the universities it's called critical theory um, I found some some great people like James Lindsay who's been researching this uh, for a decade or so and has read all the literature and I have not done that Um, but I realized that there wasn't much on the right that was actually explaining these terms for the average person because I think most people hear this stuff and they're like that sounds great you know I I'm an anti race I'm against racism like I'll be an anti-racist or like you know you, you put yourself in these different categories but people don't actually know that there's an agenda behind all of these different terms Um, So what we're trying to do with cult of wokeness is to really show what the agenda is and what you're buying into when you call yourself an anti-racist or something along those lines. And that comes from critical theory. But um, uh, does that mean you're against racism? No, it actually explicitly does not mean that. It means that uh, you are against... uh, You are for systems that level out racial disparities and racial outcomes. So that means you're for um, outcome... uh, um, for a quality of outcome, which right. is an entirely different thing than a quality of opportunity. It basically means there has to be some sort of state control or social control that, that, that you know, ma- manipulates those outcomes and creates those outcomes. Um, so there's, we, we created a whole bunch of different videos. Um, I think the first one is essentially defining some of these terms, defining what racism, the term racism itself changed into.
5: Yeah, there's a lot of language changing going on where terms that we all think we understand, like racism, don't mean the same thing anymore in certain right. circles, and so we're having a really hard time communicating with each other because people use the same words, but they have very different meanings in their minds when they say them.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know I, I didn't know what it was, um, but a few years ago now, I quoted Martin Luther King when I was on CNN, and I mm-hmm. said, you know, judge people based on the content of the character and not the color of the skin, Yeah, and Don Lemon corrected me because he thought that that was wrong somehow and I didn't realize that this intersectionality thing was a thing which is explicitly racist because everyone is judged based on the color of their skin or their sexual orientation right and I'm like how did, how did that happen and, and you've that's what you're digging into That's what we're digging into and our, our uh, one of our recent ones
4: is how critical theory is racist which is a not at all controversial uh, <laughs> title um, but uh, it, it explicitly is where, where do you, you where do you live? Do you want? Do you want to tell people? Yeah, I not
0: want to tell anyone. I'm
4: moving. Um, Just keep telling in yeah. Marin County; it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's once you dig into it, you realize that it's explicitly racist. Yeah. And um, and uh, Ibram Kendi even says um, discrimination is good mm-hmm. as long as you're discriminating in the right direction. Yeah. And um, you know, racism. Um, forgot what was going with that but anyways yeah it's explicitly racist it you're supposed to judge people by their color and it puts minorities into um an oppressed category by definition by default which i find incredibly disempowering Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how do you put these people how do you put a group into this place of you're never going to get ahead because um, because of white it's, oppression, it's really in insulting to a lot of people. It's too, incredibly it's insulting,
5: saying you know you're not an individual, you're not your choices, you're not your decisions, you're just the color of your skin, right? And that defines you as a person. I think it's very insulting to people. Yeah. And I think an important point about this is that you know there's sort of this idea in society now that like ideas don't matter and that you're wasting your time with philosophy and nobody reads books anymore and it's all about like pragmatic things and things that work. But like you know this comes from academia and a lot of it's it's radically changing not just our country but all, all over the world countries and these are the ideas of philosophers who started in universities and it's having huge real world implications so we need to pay attention to what academia is doing what the universities are doing because ideas do matter those are what turn the wheels of history and the wrong ideas can result in very disastrous uh, real world consequences
4: yeah it's it's um it's what they've termed um Gramsci, I think, and, uh, termed the long march through the institutions, mm. and uh, it's funny, my dad used to talk about this back in the day, like way when I was a kid, and I had no idea what he's talking about, and he honestly just sounded like a crazy conservative, and <laughs> it was just like, you know, conspiracy theory, whatever, um, but people like him were seeing the roots of it in schools and um and even earlier they were before it actually infected the schools but at this point it's gotten into schools it's gotten into universities it's gotten into governments now it's in the workplaces which is if anyone's ever seen you know this whole um diversity equity and inclusion movement all these different seminars that are in workplaces that directly comes from critical theory in the universities so it has spread throughout our culture and unless we understand what it is we're not going to be able to stop it so that's what we're trying to do with this series.
2: So Walter Williams, who is a, a great economist who just recently passed away at 80, um, he finished teaching a class on economics at George Mason and got in his car and and died in the parking lot at the university, which is which is kind of amazing, but it's also a kind of, you know, our way to go. It's
0: kind of a badass way to die. Um,
2: <laughs> and, you know, he so he's 80 years old, and so he grew up with a lot of oppression and, and discrimination, and, and he never wanted to be treated preferentially be- because he was black and mm-hmm. in one of the obituaries that I was reading about him it talked about how he was in college and he flunked his first test and he was he said i was actually happy that they flunked me because i didn't want to be treated differently because i was black like i didn't want to be given a better grade than than i deserved and it was just again he's he's such a badass and i just i kind of loved that story That's awesome. yeah.
0: okay sam Martin, creative director. Yes, I'm creative director, by the way. Nice nice to have you. Nice Uh, nice to be here. Free up that chair. We're going to bring in Mike Fuse and talk about a new project that that Logan has masterminded called Last Call. And, And cynics might argue that this was just an excuse to day drink. Is that unfair?
5: Well, things can be more than one thing at the same time, That's okay. what I would say to that. I won't deny it. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I wouldn't say I masterminded this. This is something that we've been kind of kicking around around the office for a while now. We've wanted to do kind of a podcast with the staff to um, just explore some things that don't make it onto Kibby on Liberty or we don't otherwise talk about and uh, kind of do more – You know deep dive into libertarian philosophy and things like that and so we brought mike on board and mike is an extremely smart intellectual guy who reads a lot of books and studies in grad school and we have great conversations about all kinds of philosophical issues and so he was the perfect person to start this podcast with called last call and uh, we started doing it what like i guess 18 or 20 weeks ago uh, we do it every week and we just talk about what's in the news. We talk about what we're thinking about, what we're going through, uh, through a libertarian lens, and we have, try to have good debates and good arguments and good discussions on that type of thing.
0: One of the things I like about, about your perspective, Mike, and, and you, by the way, were the, the guy that told us that Father Sirico would be in town. i did. Um, who Not. defends, um, as you do, like you, you get your uh, sense of liberty from your Catholic faith.
6: Yeah, I do. It's definitely my, my faith or my passion for it's definitely kind of my foundation that I springboard off of. But it was that faith that kind of led me to libertarianism, in essence, where I guess to boil it down, I feel like if you're not free or have the liberty to choose what I think is the good choice or the moral choice, it you're deprived of the virtue of that choice. If someone has a gun to your head, or someone writes a law, what's the point? You haven't made a choice, someone made that choice for you. So that's kind of what drove me to libertarianism.
2: So, is this when we pick on the Pope? Yeah. Um, we can pick on the I pope. feel like, yeah. I'm, I, I want to talk,
0: I want to confront you personally about the fact that the Pope appears to be a socialist.
6: It's hard to defend the Pope and his socialist ways. I try to be a little kind because I feel like from where I come from, he gets beat up a lot, even by my immediate family who's very traditionally conservative. And I'm like, well, he still holds, you know. The seat of Peter, as we call it as Catholics, it's a place of authority we have to respect, but man, every time he opens his mouth, it's nails on the chalkboard.
0: So Father Sirico made a credible argument, you, you tell me if this is true or not, yeah. but the, the Pope is, is um, infallible on questions of faith, but has no authority when it comes to Economics 101.
6: That is 100% correct.
0: So I let you off the hook yeah. there.
6: <laughs> You're free to disagree with them on pretty much anything. And don't quote me on this. I'm 99.9% sure only twice in the Catholic Church has we ever claimed infallibility by a pope. So okay. you can pretty much tell the pope, like, thank you, but no thank you.
2: So, so I want to go back well, we, to... By the way, we did just quote you on that because <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. this, is, this is live. So. So, so I want to go back to the fact that, that Mike let us know that Father Sirico was coming to D.C. because it was, it was a great um, moment and you made us look really good and as if we knew everything that was going on. So you told us that he was coming into town and I reached out to a friend of mine who's the executive director of Acton and I said, hey, so I hear Father is coming into town. We'd love to have him on mm-hmm. Kibbe on Liberty. Um, can you give me his contact information? And he responded back with, Father Sirico is going to be in Washington? I didn't even know that.
6: <laughs> it's funny how I found out. So I do follow Father Sirico and what he does at his acting institute. I think they do great work. Mm-hmm. But I was doing a walk around the neighborhood with my kids and wife, and we stopped by the mailbox, and we got the Catholic newspaper that the archdiocese sends us, and it was advertising he was coming. I was like, oh, Father Sirico's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but this, like one of, one of the things we do at Free the People, and you guys sort of stumbled on this, but you, you have your perspective of faith as a catholic uh logan you're very secular and liberty uh for you comes from a different place but but i always wanted free the people to be that ecumenical place like i don't care how you get to liberty if you read ayn rand that's great if you read the (laughs) bless you some we
5: got COVID all through here um, it's yeah, this, one of the things I like about our staff is we're all kind of different liber, different styles of libertarians yeah like I'm the crazy hardcore anarchist libertarian he's the Catholic libertarian Sam is sort of a, a I don't know like a bleeding-heart libertarian I guess would be fair to say I was gonna say new-age um, libertarian yeah, um, yeah the, is a I call bit him more a, of a kombucha libertarian Bataglia is a little bit more of like a, a national nationalist libertarian is that <laughs> fair to say <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, He's just like a splenetic, angry libertarian. Yeah. Sometimes it's he's
2: little... libertarian adjacent. Let's it's be true, honest. That's true. Yeah.
0: And and, <laughs> and Joel and Kara are really just in it for the weed. Yeah. We'll have you back on cut. to defend yourself. But, but we'll, so Mike's We'll been, cut that out and post.
2: Yeah. Mike's been great. He's our our newest team member. Oh. Um, you kind of hounded us into. bringing you on on staff and and it was really smart of you to to do you've been um great and we are very happy to have you
6: yeah thank you i've i feel like i've been a groupie for a while so eventually like i guess we just got to let him in the club yeah Um, you kept showing up at the
5: house (laughs) just happy to be here i (laughs) honestly i'm like i don't even think that's how i got to be to hire me too is i just wouldn't stop pestering him (laughs) until he gave me a job so that's it works
2: that is the key to success here is just like keep nagging us until we eventually succumb
5: covid did ruin
6: uh, Kathleen and my, my Kathleen's my wife. Our only date night of the year since having children, which is the traditional Kibby Christmas party. Oh. So, the bad mayor of D.C. I guess ruined it.
2: Yeah, we're only allowed to have ten people in the house, and we have nine at the moment. So we're we're for the time being we're we're under you know the right side of the law, but we're gonna have to do a Christmas in July party. I promise I won't decorate five Christmas trees though then. If I could find them, I might. Oh,
0: all right. <laughs> okay, so let's get uh, Joel up here and Trey. Right. And Joel is going to make a principled argument for smoking weed. Oh, uh, we just do weed?
7: Just weed, man? You're not going to advocate for mushrooms or anything hey, like that? Hey, they're legal in D.C. now. Maybe. Oh, that's true. So. Okay, all right, we're not going to advocate.
0: <laughs> so I've, like... Yeah, we won't talk about this, because I don't want you to get arrested. Um, (laughs) Oh, you broke it. But people will recognize Joel as, how long have you officially been on the team?
8: This is two years?
0: Two years. I believe, yeah. And uh, we met in the Tea Party days, but um, over the process of the last three or four years, we've made um, several documentaries about you. Uh, The most recent one is now submitted in a film festival.
8: Yep, in April.
0: In April. And yeah. it's, it's, about, it's about you weaning yourself off of opioids using marijuana and you're sort of a, a walking case study of, of what the upside benefit of legalizing yeah. marijuana is.
8: Yeah, I'm so much better now. I mean, it's night and day. I'm not in that fog,
0: yeah. opiate fog. Yeah, and how long has it been since you've been opiate free? I
8: think... Actually, we're going on two years because it was right around, it was right after I went off of everything when I actually was hired on. So, because it was, uh,
0: I I wanted to wait till you were clean. Well, it was was at
8: at Freedom Fest 2018, and that was in the middle of when I was going off. And we're sitting in the bar, and you're like, Do you want a job? (laughs) Sure. So, you know, as like Mike, you know, I've been a groupie for a while, so. So a good friend, and
0: you and you've sort of managed like uh, posting all of our stuff on social media.
8: Yeah, my official title is social media coordinator.
0: Troll so. management.
2: <laughs> yeah, that should be a new title. I think they yeah. have just troll managed to troll management. So, like,
0: <laughs> I wanted you to tell the the story. So, you're you and your mom run a restaurant in Ohio, um, right? Is it Sarvis, Ohio? Yes. It's called Marv's. If yep. oh, you're Marv's driving days. through Sarvis, Ohio. Um, please go to
2: Marv's. And, and even if you're driving near Sardis, yeah, Ohio, go to Marv's. <laughs> like on Instagram, That's Facebook. That's too many people
8: drive through Sardis going somewhere. So.
0: But you you potentially, you're lucky enough to have possibly the worst Republican governor oh, yeah. in DeWine. And he is making it virtually impossible for you guys to run your little restaurant.
8: Yeah, I mean, right now, we're still at 50%. But in that area, everybody's really scared of COVID. So they're not coming out. Um, We're barely making enough money to even pay our staff. The owners of the restaurant, we're not taking any money to make sure our staff and the bills get paid. So. um, But, yeah, we just don't have the people coming in. And, of course, we have to mandate the whole mask thing, which is stupid. It's like, okay, you need one to come in the door. As soon as you get 10 feet to your table, take it off. We just, I mean, it's... So ridiculous, but there's spies. So we uh make sure people have their masks on because mom doesn't wanna lose the license. I think I'd be a little more uh willing to fight if it was just me, but yeah. I don't wanna put my seventy year old mother through that. Yeah. So
0: I, you're a fighter. I've been in fights with you.
8: <laughs> I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Well so that's we, we, we're not sure if we're gonna be able to make it. Actually, yeah. I mean, even our food distributor, he said, one more shutdown, they're done. Wow.
0: Well, they can't like they. You can't keep changing your distribution. Right. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, uh, one of my nieces' restaurants was shut down in Pennsylvania just hours after the food truck for the entire week pulled up. So what the hell are you going to do with
2: that? Right. Yeah, the governor announced at 4 o'clock on Thursday that all the restaurants were shutting down at midnight on Friday. Oof. So. It's rough. Yeah. So I'm hoping, though, rough. that like all of the staff just got to go home with really great food boxes. Right. <laughs> you hope. Yeah, you right. hope.
7: That poor owner probably has to keep those hams and stuff, though. Right.
0: So Trey, besides being a new father with your second son,
7: yeah, in this great COVID world that I'm going to raise him in. Yeah. Woo, and a white kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really hit the gold mine there. Uh, um, I am the editor so I could edit that yeah, out. You, I might keep it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what um uh, what what project you've been involved in a bunch of this stuff? What project are you most proud of that we did this year?
7: Uh, ooh. Well, I am I'm I'm not trying to kiss your ass, uh, <laughs> but I, I've been very happy with the KOL growth, and I, I honestly think it's because you finally hit your stride. Um, the conversations are good, the guests are good, uh, and and the numbers are showing. So I, I'm the guy that follows the KOL numbers like a hawk. Um, there are 5,000 of you guys out there. Thank you, 7,500 to be exact, if we include iTunes. And so I'm super proud about KOL. Um, definitely giving out good content. Um, selfishly super pumped about Let's Talk Socialism in the education video that was shot on the front of the year. Let's Talk Socialism will be rolling out. I'm actually going to show you today. Um, but honestly, I'm kind of more proud of the group as a whole. And you guys kind of touched on it on the front end of the conversation. But like this group started kicking ass and taking names when COVID kind of set in, which I think probably if you look around at most businesses, they kind of did the opposite. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not gonna take credit for just anything I did. I think the whole group kicked ass and took names, and uh, all I would ask is that whoever's watching this go out and watch all the content that we have on YouTube, um, mainly because you're probably at home anyways. So watch it. Give us a nice retention <laughs> yeah, rate. Yeah, but Binge
0: binge watch the <laughs> yeah. whole thing. Yeah, you remind like I forget how much we did this year, but uh, we started this new series called Let's Talk About, and you were the lead on that, and and the production values are really cool. It, it's it's sort of, it's a different way of, of watching what, it, what, it, what amounts to an explainer about education or democratic socialism. Absolutely. But it, it looks different.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You guys hooked it up and let us rent that awesome space. So if we could do that moving forward, that'd be awesome. But no, um, I think it kicks Prager U's ass. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> a whole, well, I mean, I filmed it. I edited it, so it's better. Take uh, that, Prager yeah. U. Unless you want to hire us to shoot your videos, you could do that too. Um, but no, I mean other things that we did that were pretty awesome, outside of just those videos and and up in the Annie is um I, and we touched on a little bit was going to the LP, and like as probably the conservatarian on the staff that was pretty eye opening, um, and not only that in a, in a good
0: way or a bad way.
7: <laughs> well, you told oh, I'm not going to mention names. I did film a couple of interesting characters, but but the real point and and the video that came out of that that's done really well was the uh, the recap video of the mm-hmm. convention and. I think the people that were there, hearing what they had to say and 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 how the libertarian movement resonates with them in their lives, to me that was kind of like a, oh, and, and for any of you guys out there that hadn't seen that, please go watch that as well, because to me that summed it up and packaged everything that these people were about in a three-minute piece of content, and you got to see Joe Jorgensen, Spike Cohen, Larry, you were in it, I mean pretty much every key figure in the movement was featured in it, and uh yeah, so that was another awesome piece of content that we got to film this year.
0: It kind of it kind of shows you like how uh, diverse the the Liberty movement is because it it can go from very socially conservative to um, crazy anarcho capitalists like Logan. Yeah, um, he's <laughs> he's the very fringe of the fringe. Do we all agree on that? Yes. Yeah, everyone's nodding their head. Yeah, yes. Pretty much. <laughs> She's <cape>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Does hard it? to miss. Yeah. But. <laughs> And that's to me like the, the, the metaphor of the Libertarian Party. So the Libertarian Party is having this fight between basically the, the conservatives and the social liberals. And what I find interesting about that is that libertarianism is the one place where we say, you know what, you guys can do whatever you want with your life as long as you don't hurt people or take their stuff. But um, you know, even, even Ben Shapiro has said, like, if you want to end the culture war, you got to go libertarian Mm because we're the only guys that that have this sort of live and let live attitude. We're not interested in telling you whether or not you're going to go to church or or whatever. And that to me is where most young people are, which is why we create content targeting them.
7: I I got a question for you. How come the uh, the libertarians are not claiming the whole red, yellow, or whatever, green? Remember when we were there and you could Oh, the wristbands! Why are they not claiming that? Because I mean, that was in the midst of the
2: hot. We were supposed to all get corona, and we didn't. No, that Um, was that that was that was brilliant. So when you checked into the the LP convention, you were given a wristband, red, yellow, or green. And red was, I'm really freaked out about COVID. I don't want to get sick. Stay as far away from me as you possibly can. And yellow was, okay, I'll talk to you as like a normal person. Maybe a, a an elbow bump. And then Green was, oh, dear God, I just need a hug. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was really great. And and they should have owned it. And they should have really made a bigger deal about it because it let people set their own personal preference for their their comfort level from COVID rather than waiting for some top-down mandate from the president or I thought it was just weird
0: watching Bataglia hug everybody (laughs) because he he doesn't even like people. I'm
2: a big hugger.
7: Hugs are good during COVID, (laughs) man. I mean, nowadays you can't even smile at somebody and they know you're smiling. It's awful. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah, yeah just as,
0: as an act of civil disobedience, I went green and I was actually projecting. I'm the one that doesn't like people, but I was, <laughs> I was hugging everybody because we all need to hug. I think
8: I hug. Want yellow just so I could make my own decision. Right. That's <laughs>
2: right.
8: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> some
2: some can, I don't, don't want to be away. green. have people just running up some, to me Some me people are all. not
0: huggable is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. so, so we've been going on for a while. I'm going to talk a little bit and then you can wrap yeah, up. Yeah. But get us
0: somewhere productive.
2: Uh, It's too late Uh for that. But no, I I just want to say that it's been a really shitty year on one hand, but it's also been a a, a really amazing year in, in other ways. So our team, as we've mentioned, we're scattered all over the country, right? I mean, we're in D.C., we're in California, Chicago, West Virginia, everywhere. And so we're used to working remotely and we've always done like phone calls and all of that to connect. But when the lockdown started, we switched from phone calls to, to Zoom, kind of recognizing that people are going to be more disconnected than ever. So weirdly, I've seen more of you all this year <laughs> mm-hmm. than than I normally would. And I'm just I'm really proud of the way that you guys stepped up. Um, I don't know if it was at the beginning a little bit of concern about that maybe... Revenue and resources might be scarcer and you needed to really kind of prove yourself so that if we had to make any cuts um, You'd be safe and luckily we didn't have to to do that. Um, I mean you guys stepped up our supporters stepped up and Putting aside all of the horrific things about covid. Um, it actually hasn't been a bad year
0: and another Christmas and uh we are about to, well, I was about to say, we're start about to start drinking. Well, you've
2: already done that. We're about to
0: case into it, but we're gonna have a um, somewhat illicit Christmas dinner together tonight, and it might just end up on film, and a new product that you'll see before Christmas. So, so thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Logan, what's your preferred holiday? Yule.
2: Yule. Yule. <laughs> Ha- Cheers to that! So you say, Happy Yule! <laughs> happy Yule! Jolly, jolly. Yule. Jo- jolly Yule! Jolly Yule! Cheers. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! Cheers!
0: <laughs> Thanks for watching Kibi on Liberty. By now, you know this is the most important event of your week, so make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Click the little bell so you get notifications. Kibbe on Liberty, mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.